Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. This week, we're going to be exploring the world of LoRaWAN, so long-range, wide-area network technology. Uh, which has been going for quite some time and is starting to build some real momentum. We will be talking to Vinka Gisman, who is the CEO of The Things Industry. So um, they're based in Europe, but uh, are doing business uh, over here in the States. And uh, I think you'll learn uh, a lot about a really important area, which we probably haven't given enough attention to. So definitely important for anyone that wants to be uh, an IoT expert uh, and fully versed to dig into. So, hope you enjoy it. The Mr. Beacon Ambient IoT Podcast is sponsored by Williot, bringing intelligence to every single thing. So, Vinka, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Steve. So we met in Barcelona on a very cold rooftop at a meeting um, hosted by our mutual friends at PwC. And I was fascinated by a lot of what you had to say. And there are three things I, I want to explore with you. Um, one is Laura Wan. I mean, this podcast has been going for uh, like best part of eight years, and we haven't really had a solid conversation about uh, Laura Wan, which is a little embarrassing. So let's put that right. Um, and then I would really like to hear about your companies, uh, the things industries, the things network. Uh, and then lastly, um, you've got some very strong opinions on IOT and I'd love to chat with you about those, maybe even debate a few of them. I don't know. We'll see. I, it's really hard to get conflict on podcasts. Everyone's always super nice to each other and agreeing with everything that the other person said. No. Um, um, I, the Dutch are famous for their directness, yeah. so I'm sure you will uh, uh, you'll you'll challenge me if you don't agree with anything I say. I I, I will try to. I will. But try. anyway, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> okay, um, so for people that I'm sure almost everyone that listens to this podcast has heard of LoRaWAN, but but what is it? Start from the basics. Yeah, so um, uh, the basics is that uh, LoRaWAN is a, a network and device protocol that utilizes the LoRa uh, RF uh, technology. And uh, in a nutshell, for a business, it is interesting because it's low power and long range. So, um, and so it, this means that you can set up networks uh, uh, pretty 
easily in buildings because it penetrates through walls and, and that kind of stuff. So it's easy to do that. Uh, and uh, you do not have to employ field services because you don't have to send um, somebody to replace the batteries every few months. Um, so friction in IoT is a lot about the cost of infrastructure and the uh, hassle of deploying it. And, and LoRaWAN is able to mitigate that to a large extent because of the long range. And it stands for, so what does it stand for? It stands for, uh, WAN stands for Wide Area Network, and LoRa stands for Long Range. It's an IP yes. owned by Semtech. They produce the chips, uh, and your network consists out of gateways and a sensor. The gateway is connected to the internet, and it operates in unlicensed spectrum. Um, and basically, there it brings small pieces of data from A to B. So we have a lot of kind of retail, food compliance kind of small uh, sensors and fridges that, in the end of the day, report a kind of report on food compliance and temperature. Uh, logging. Um, we have companies that use our sensors in mines for air quality, but also, for instance, for predictive maintenance. Uh, smart cities. So we we help customers build smart metering networks for specifically water metering because you don't have an active power source there, so it has to run on a battery for very long. And um, and where we had the 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 yeah the main kind of area where it where it's where it's successful is in. Uh, in in localized networks, so it can be a city, uh, it can be a a, a, a a big industrial site, it can be a building, and um, where you completely control kind of the uh, the network and the use case uh, and the sensors, uh, and yeah, we are now on um, our business and our enterprise platform have 1.3 million devices all around the world, literally from connecting 10,000 cars in Australia to 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 mine conveyor belts in uh, Chile. So that's so you're talking about the things industries network yeah. 1.3 million as opposed to LoRaWAN. Do you have a sense of how big LoRaWAN is now as an ecosystem? Yeah, it's hard to estimate how many devices globally. Um, yeah, I think we're somewhere between somewhere between I think 40 to 100 100 100 million devices globally. It, it, so that's it, pretty impressive. It's very yeah. frag uh, fragmented, yeah. And um, okay, we should let's get back to that fragmented thing. And the, for the techies, it's sort of what kind of frequencies is it talking about? Uh, is is it talking over? It's a low frequency network, right? Because yeah. that's how you get the propagation. Yeah. So it's eight six eight in in Europe and nine fifteen in the US, and. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, so it's a sub gigahertz band, yeah. and and the technology it uses a chip spread spectrum protocol to to uh, yeah to achieve that long range, and uh, to and, increase and the probability of, of of a recognizable signal. Yeah. And is it a problem that you're using different frequencies in Europe and the US? Is that Big issue. Yeah, it's it's one of the downsides uh, of the uh, uh, of the technologies that that if you want to build a global uh, solution, you have to kind of build different SKUs. Uh, luckily, you can have the same product, but through certification, you have to have different SKUs. Uh, so that can build. It's a bit of friction, uh, but the the kind of the, the kind, if you see it in a larger scheme of things, of like like if you look at the NRE, if you look at 
at kind of the the non-recurring engineering cost. Uh, so uh, of a different of a, st a specific SKU, it is pretty low for a for such a capable device. So um, yeah, it's 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 something. Well, we also have customers that operate more on two point four gigahertz, and that's very interesting because then you can have like a multi uh, uh, the long range multi 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 country. There there are some other kind of downsides to that. Uh, you don't have that amount of range. You don't have, um, but but yeah, that's that's very interesting, and then and it's actually something that can be put on a on a ship and be shipped to 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 the other side of the world, and then uh, still be compliant there. And what is the range that I can get on those sub gigahertz frequencies that are the sweet spot, the eight hundred, the nine hundred megahertz that you were talking about? Yeah, so so it is a ref, so it all depends on what's in between. Uh, we did uh, experiments with weather balloons, and we reached around 800 uh, kilometers uh, for a single message, uh, which is an outlier, and uh, it's uh, you have to do a lot of work to replicate it, so see that as a lab experiment. Uh, but what we usually see is, uh, uh, because you're talking about you're building local networks, what you see is that that capability of that long range uh, you really should see that as the margin you have uh, for your operational accidents of your IoT solution. So uh, in a building, it's just uh, one gateway can cover it all. But we always say just do two gateways because these gateways are so kind of cheap uh, over the lifetime of a solution that um, you don't want to risk uh, like everything you can do in an IoT solution to uh, de-risk a revisit. And that's way more kind yeah. of interesting. Uh, and if you yeah. calculate that properly in your business case, two gateways are more cost-effective than, than one. Uh, so so what, what you more see is that LoRaWAN has gone through this path where you say, hey, it's long range. But actually what it has, it has a margin for error. And that's the real true value proposition, not that you can send it over 10 kilometers a message. I barely see that used as a value proposition. It is a very interesting technical capability, but the 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 the, the, the error margin that it delivers, that's that's the the real value proposition for a business in LoRaWAN. That's interesting. So basically, that 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 translates into better quality of service, more reliability. Um, yeah, I can go to ten meters, but kilometers, but if or whatever, eight kilometers. Um, but if I'm, you know, uh, half a kilometer away, then I, I can be pretty sure that the, the signal's going to get there because there's just so much margin for error. You've seen, seen a lot of kind of um, technology promotion, and we, we also did that for Norwen. And then what you're doing is you're trying to educate the market that it can do that, this. Um, yes. But yeah, let's say that's this circle. And, and the business viability is like a 10% like a circle in the middle. And uh, I think we're now in the LP1 space coming from say, hey, like this has this capability, this has this capability, this and um, and to more kind of, okay, wait, like we have this, we now know what this technology can do. Okay, so where is the kind of technology um, coverage? Where, where does the technology coverage actually business viable segment? And and yeah. what I see in LoRaWAN is that it that is actually is doing that for a lot of different fragments. And that's that's and a lot of different verticals. And um, we ha we have as many kind of different solutions of different customers all using our platform. Yeah. 
seems like that's a blessing and a curse because we we have that at Williot. You can use the English for so many things. It's like really hard to focus. So yeah. Um, I guess we'll, we'll we'll talk about the areas where you decided to uh, focus. But I, I do want to just get back to the nuts and bolts of yeah. uh, uh, of Laura Wan. So. Um, you know, what are the, what's the cost equation? I'm not paying for Spectrum uh, because uh, 800, 900, 2.4, it's free of charge. I'm not paying a, a KPN or a, or a Vodafone or a Verizon. Uh, but what do I have to pay for? And what are the kind of the ballpark costs for those things? Do I have to buy a, uh, if I want to track cows, do I have to buy a gateway? Yeah, so the, the typical solution uh, consists of um, um, the um, so the funny thing, I just made a complete IoT business case just to practice for myself. Uh -huh. I just got running through it. So the, the 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 basic hardware costs are the gateways. You have to do them yourself. So let's say that you can get them for um, uh, if you put them in your business case around like two hundred or three hundred euros, depends on the volume. And then a device, a uh -huh. typical device costs around somewhere between 50 for a simple sensor to kind of 200 for a more extensive sensor. Um, typically, I think the, the the typical cost of a sensor on our network is somewhere somewhere around 100, 100 euros. 100. Okay, so I'm not going to use it for tracking cows then. Um, we have customers that do that and they made cheaper oh. ones. So they, they made a bit cheaper ones. I think you can get them cheaper but they sell them as a service so um and i don't know the specifics of cows but i i, I it, it's it 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 is it, there is a business case there yeah okay but i don't i don't i i've stopped i've stopped relating the cost to the benefits uh I, I, beyond the fact that it has to be business cause positive right because what I see is we have 1.3 million devices. I think the total cost of ownership of a LoRaWAN device over five years is around $300. So that means that we already have around kind of 400 million in in total cost of ownership incurring on our enterprise kind of clusters. And then uh, the business case has to be solid. And I think it's always around at least a 4X IoT business case to make it anything sustainable. So we yeah. we brag about being like somewhere between one and two billion in efficiencies we create. It's not monetary all, right? It's all like money you don't see. Um, but just yes. to go into the cost at so 300 euros, um, the expectations you had will be around 100 euros for a device. Then yeah. uh, installation, that's, uh, like, I mean, very generic. So let's say that for a site of, let's say, one gateway and let's say 20 sensors, Let's say that you have like 500 to 700 euros in installation fees. Um, then uh, our service is actually then pretty cheap in that sense. So it's it's around um, uh, it's, a, it's yeah our 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 cost for a thousand devices is uh, uh, around three thousand a year for the SaaS mm -hmm. service. Then you have to look at uh, connectivity backhauls. So if you're kind of you can use Wi-Fi. You can use Ethernet. We see a lot of like LTE backhauls. So then you're talking about ten euros, ten dollars per mm -hmm. per gateway, kind of per gateway per building. Uh, yeah, and then I think all, all, all the kind of application costs, and maybe your cloud solution costs you around ten to twenty k 
for large uh, implementation of, let's say, 10,000 10, devices. Uh, then you have to think about um, your ops, right? So at least, let's say, for the whole solution of 10K devices, we would say, like, let's uh, maybe make sure you have IoT ops run one, one or one and a half FTE that either kind of me, maybe you can use to uh, update uh, systems and, and that kind of things, but also labor costs uh -huh. and installation. And then uh, after that, once you've kind of built the business case, then then um, what we what we always advise our customers to to bring in downtime uh, and and kind of mitigation uh, costs. So 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 we're talking about a ref. Um, nobody can offer you a ninety nine like a hundred percent as a lay. So you're gonna have mm -hmm. a few hours a year that that you're not mm -hmm. gonna be there, and then you have to make sure you have the right mitigation. Uh, in place to make sure that uh, that uh, that your your losses are kind of are, are reduced. So um, so yeah, that's a bit of the kind of IT business case. But it, it yeah it, it goes around that you you yeah you have to kind of build your own network, build your own gateways, and uh, can get costly. Several things I want to come back to, but th then just back to the basics. How big are these devices? The gateways. And yeah, the sensors. Uh, so the off. gateways can be like very small ones like this, and it's very popular ones. Yeah. You know, I, have, I have them lying around here. That's yeah. So, I mean, this could be, a, for instance, a small indoor gateway. And this uh -huh. is Wi-Fi. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's pretty, this is cheap. Uh, mm -hmm. But I wouldn't build a kind of very, um, it depends on what you expect in the performance, but I, I wouldn't, Use yeah. this all too much in production, they, and and then you have other gateways which are more professional. They're not even uh, that much bigger, and then you have outdoor ones that if you put them on on kind of large radio towers, then there are customers that like they do that as well, and there are companies that focus on doing LoRaWAN into micro cell networks. Um, that is possible with the technology as well, but they yeah they they. Uh, they they are much bigger and they they are more kind of telco grade, and this is for instance a small sensor. So basically, it's um, at this one just temperature humidity, uh, for instance. And uh, we yeah there and but there's kind of we have a, a, a device maker partnerships with three hundred companies now, and they all uh, make sure that the devices they create are fully compliant with our network infrastructure. And are they all using Semtech chips? Yeah. Is Semtech, uh, the, so they're the French company that kind of originated this. So there was a French company that was acquired by Semtech, a company from California uh, is listed. And um, uh, they hold the IP for Nora and, and they have a multi-source kind of strategy. So you can buy the chips from them, but you can also buy as SOC from uh, ST or a uh, system and a package from Microchip. So you can get them from multiple vendors, um, uh, and uh, but yeah, the IP is completely owned by by Semtech for the for the chips. Wonderful. Let's talk about your company, uh, the Things Industries. So you did a really nice job of laying out the the kind of here's the bill of materials, and this is what the business case looks like. By the way. Can people get hold of that business case? Is that something uh, that you yeah, want to share? Just, or, so you just uh, send me a message on LinkedIn and I can come in and okay. share with them. Yeah. Excellent. Sounds sounds like a good deal. 
I, I also have the the kind of the benefits part of it, which is actually more interesting. But yeah, then uh, okay. Just gone, just well, yeah. let's let's come let's get into that as well. Yeah. But to tell us about the things industry. So you, I've got these devices. The range is amazing. Why why do we need the things industries? Yeah. So so um, uh, to uh, run a LoRaWAN solution, you need um, uh, a piece of software called a LoRaWAN network server and uh, that manage the networks in real time. And um, uh, we are the uh, product leader in the, uh, globally in the market for offering that as a managed service uh, and having the most complete product. So uh, a LoRaWAN network server, basically what it does, it, it makes sure that, that this one is managed, it's sort of make sure that this one is managed, does all the security, all the provisioning, everything you need. But as these things don't talk IP, internet protocol, uh, you can't connect these directly to the internet. There needs to be uh, uh, a network server that actually spits out that uh, the data that comes from these devices in a secure way to your enterprise application. So we're not an, we're not an, um, uh, IT platform, we're 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 hundred percent focused on that. And what we saw during the last kind of seven years is that everybody started to explore what I told you about, right? Like like okay, we have this circle of capabilities. So where are the business viable spots in that circle? And we saw that um, um, it was very fragmented, uh, and we decided not to kind of do everything, but just do one thing really, really well uh, or don't do it at all. And so we decided not to go into so solutions, not to go into IoT platforms, not into hardware, not into gateways, purely in the software and making sure that <clears throat> we are the best and kind of world champion in managing your LoRaWAN infrastructure anywhere where you are in the world. Um, majority of our business is in the US with a lot of uh, business in Southeast Asia. We have a lot of business in Australia. It's a global network infrastructure, uh, and it allows you just to run these networks without running the kind of service yourself. And that and that's gone really well. Hence the kind of 1.3 million devices that, um, yeah, which is basically a testament of trust of our product leadership and and our operational excellence on this field. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And so are they using your platform to get the data out from these sensors? Is that uh, part of what you do or not? Yeah, yeah. So, th so basically that's, that's, the, that's the end goal. 
but everything you need before that, like provisioning these gateways, provisioning these devices, uh, um, everything you need to do, building up to, to kind of installing it, uh, and then after that, everything you need to do to monitor it, right? Because um, you built a network yourself, so we have more kind of cloud-native, uh, pre-intelligent kind of network operation center, which allows you just to constantly monitor these devices and perform your IoT ops. And and that's getting smarter and smarter and smarter, right? Because um, in the end, if you look at the um, IoT ops, right? Like it's uh, the, uh, the the kind of operational kind of activities you need to make sure you maintain the SLA of your IoT solution that you gave to your customer. Uh, yeah, basically that's that's where our value comes in is that we make sure that we we yeah we 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 make sure your your solution just runs very solid, and you pick the components. And the interesting thing is we we are agnostic towards gateways. So there we are like there's mm-hmm. we have 20, 30 gateway partners. We're also agnostic towards devices. We have like three hundred to four hundred device maker partners, and they they all kind of we work with them on a on a very friendly way. Uh, and we 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 together test these products and um, and they they also work on another kind of lower end network infrastructure that other people uh, present, uh, other companies uh, um, offer. So what is the data that people are getting from the sensors? Because you know in this podcast we've largely focused on Bluetooth and a lot of it is around kind of getting an XY coordinate or a proximity reading, uh, but my assumption is if I've got just two gateways uh, or one gateway even that I'm not going to get a lot of location information it's it's other stuff or what's the yeah, situation yeah there? so actually we get that question a lot so if you go to um, our, our developer ecosystem uh, uh, it's called uh, the things and we have a device repository there and the interesting thing is you can see what these devices generate in data uh, in in an emulator page so if you go to a specific device there, uh, and I'll, I'll send you like the link, we'll, you can put them in the comments. Uh, you mm-hmm. actually uh, go to a device uh, and then uh, and you will see uh, the payloads that it's actually, yeah, that it's defined to, to send to your application. So, um, uh, which is very interesting. So you can, you can actually test all these hundreds of devices uh, without acquiring them, uh, so I'll send you that. So, but but uh, so people can explore themselves. Uh, but the typically, uh, temperature reading, location readings, um, uh, yeah, the the um, we see for instance smart mouse traps. Is the mouse caught or not? Um, uh-huh. The temperature in itself. If you dive into the topic temperature, you will find out that temperature as a concept is a very, very complex thing. Is it temperature of the air? Is it temperature of the object? Is it next to the object? Yeah, so uh-huh. I was talking with these, with people from the certification institute, right? You know, like a, a TÜV or a... Uh-huh. And I asked them like, how many definitions of temperature do you have? We have hundreds. And how many, many uh-huh. different certifications you have that has, has temperature in it? It's thousands. So is that that's actually is a really good kind of 
um, they have to prove how fragmented this market is. So, and how you measure temperature, right? And 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 so, already in data, it's just massive. And uh, we have a lot of different companies that uh, that do that. So, yeah, do things like that. But 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 you said you can get location data. How how do you how does the typical LoRaWAN uh, sensor uh, derive know where it is? So there, there's a multiple ways. Um, you can uh, do Wi-Fi sniffing. You can just put up a GPS module. You can uh, do um, uh, you can do some reasoning with regards to to kind of if you have multiple LoRaWAN gateways. Um, so yeah, and there's kind of specific. You have uh, Semtec has a as a piece of silicon that can do um, uh, RF uh, like or the RF for the. Uh, for GNSS and GPS, uh, you have system on a chips that that do both. So, um, yeah, it, it 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 can be wide range of kind of variables, and then that will result to a wide range of kind of accuracy. Pretty good. You know, we're we're going to talk uh, later in the podcast about how you came to start your company. But once you were uh, at the helm, you were enthused with uh, the concept of uh, of this network. What was the ramp up like? Uh, t- tell us a bit about that story. Yeah, so it, it started off with that we just saw that it was was very kind of um, uh, it was really hard to build a solution uh, IoT. So we actually seven years ago I thought this is a hype because we can't be talking about all these solutions, and then when I want to get my hands dirty. Uh, and uh, it's just just either falls apart or just incredibly hard to do it right. So um, so we thought let, let's just build kind of tooling first to make making these IoT solutions easier. And we started to do that for LoRaWAN, and and more and more of these tools came about. And then in the end, it it, it, it became a plat- platform. Um, but that that was a bit of the journey and. I think there, I, there's this kind of one thing a McKinsey researcher I always reference to is that what they, what they, and somewhere I think around 2017, they said that uh, companies or kind of departments that do IoT uh, one big project at a time fail, and the ones that succeed, especially early in kind of 2016, 17, they had multiple projects. And their granularity was way lower, uh, way smaller, uh, and um, it, that is re- that's a, I, I I can very very much relate to that these kind that kind of research conclusion because it's it's exactly what we see is like the smaller projects succeed uh, and then they scale, but it never goes the other way around because you're just yeah it's it just it just doesn't it just too complex and just doesn't work that way. But we've seen it, like the order of magnitude on our platform is growing, where in 2016, 17, we saw two people talks about tens, then about thousands, then about tens of thousands, and now we have customers with, with more than 100,000 sensors on, on the platform. So, um, yeah, it goes in that. In that th- um, doesn't that start off small thing? Isn't that just sort of in the early stages? It's like if someone's going to buy an accounting system, they don't start off with a small accounting system. They just they just do it, don't they? Because it's well-established uh, uh, use yeah. case. Yeah, uh, but it, 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 with it, regards it, to accounting systems, it's, it's a 1998. 
So um, if, if you would do accounting this system, you would build an accounting system in 1998. So so we have to acknowledge the how early we are in this whole IT or kind of yeah connecting the physical world and um, and uh, so 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 yeah yeah if you now you get an accounting system off the shelf. Um, yes, yes that's, uh, the, yeah. But the, when they were writing, when 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 they were writing them, yeah, I agree. You start off small. Let's just face. Yeah. Let, let's start on the area where we've got the most pain and it, and so forth. It's really about about managing your exposure, and um, and just just making sure that you understand that it's a risky uh, uh, project, and that yeah. if you're going to build something yourself, you need to you need to reduce your exposure. So when you start. We always say let's just look at off-the-shelf devices, look at off-the-shelf gateways, uh, uh, use our off-the-shelf network management tool, and just use a very simple—I would say not even IT platform, but but something you you already are competent as as an enterprise to to manage the data. Um, yeah, and and that is also small. Um, and and if you did done that, then then make a business. Don't don't build a PUC. Just make a make a make make a positive business case with that. And then when when you did that, then you see okay, like I can optimize this. I can optimize that. I can do that significantly more cost effective or even more productive. So so yeah, that's that's the journey that 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 brings the highest likelihood of success. And where is where are you seeing the greatest? Success. What are the the hottest use cases? Um, as I said, it's extremely fragmented. So we 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 um. Uh, so then then the question like, what's the definition of success? So let's say where where the where the most um value is created. Um, I think in compliancy, just just having measurements that you can do with sensors, which you usually do with people noting things down or putting them on an iPad or on a even pen and paper and pencil. Mm-hmm. Um, I see also success mostly. Yeah, you're you're probably you're questioning verticals, but what I, I see success if if people don't if they have a destination for the a data and and it seems like an obvious thing, but for me, uh, using an IT platform and a for me also like visualizing data. Is for me a red flag because I know if you visualized it, you need a human, and a human—that's what we're trying to automate out of this chain. So visualization by itself is also always an extremely expensive IoT solution because you need a person to log in, and that person costs hundred dollars an hour at least. Mm-hmm. So um, what I see is that kind of where are the successes when existing business processes are automated. And IoT data is added to that process to enhance that process and, and optimize in the end the business process. And um, so, so that's where I see the success. And then it really doesn't really matter what vertical it is. If you already got your 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 kind of let's just call it digital transformation going, and you can like supercharge that with IoT. You can't create digital transformation with IoT. That is, it is always supportive to it, uh, and it can be inspiring. 
but in the end it it, it it's just a bit pipe and a, and a data feed and 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 the, the smart things you're going to do with your digital transformation strategy that's the difference share well you're in an incredible position you kind of look across all these different projects so uh, it's fascinating to hear you talk we've got to wrap up uh, and move on to the next segment of the show uh, but before we do that, uh, you, you have a conference, right? Uh, maybe you want to talk about that briefly. Yeah, so we have an upcoming conference in Santa Clara, 18th of May. We're uh, we're co-hosting it with the IoT Tech Expo. It's in the Santa Clara Convention Center. It's all day and it's free to attend. So if you're around, uh, yeah, lo- lo- looking forward to to meet you there. And, and then, yeah, then we're going to dive in all kinds of different solutions, business cases, um, and of course, also the technology. Uh, and um, then we have our main event in uh, 20, uh, 21st or 22nd of September in Amsterdam uh, uh, at the end of the summer. And so, uh, and, and these are user group kind of meetings where, where, where in Amsterdam, 1,500 uh, people from literally from Chile to Australia will come together and, and kind of and share these solutions and 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 business cases and um, so yeah that's always exciting wonderful well we'll try and um hurry this uh episode out to try and give people visibility of the uh the uh, silicon valley um so how did you get the job that you've got i think a lot of people will be watching this and they'll feel like you're living the dream um you know what's your story um, so the story is that my background is in uh, telecommunications, uh, starting uh, at a uh, at a Dutch telco research institute, then uh, worked at KPN as the Dutch incumbent, and um, I started a video demand company, which is a uh, which basically was a, a Netflix um, uh, in the Netherlands, and then uh, Netflix came to the Netherlands, so there was. There was a uh, there was a nice adventure where eventually sold the company to a European uh, publishing company, and um, then started to looking for new ideas. Met up with uh, I uh, just to hit the pause button. I have to. I know this is about you, but I, it's funny because I was involved in video on demand as well, and okay. I was just sort of thinking about. I don't know about how you felt about all of this, but before it existed, it was like this thing that should exist. It's like. Uh, I'm just fed up with watching TV and movies that, 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 or not being able to watch what I want to watch. And then, and I feel like there's some parallels with IoT. No, you you feel like you see this thing doesn't exist. You feel it should exist. You're going to do your bit to to yeah. uh, to make it happen. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we um, uh, or what we the focus of the platform we created at the time was our curation because that was actually very bad. Uh, there were no recommendation algorithms, so we we did a uh, actually manual curation, which which actually turned out to be very kind of what people wanted. Then we got the movie rights, and then yeah, and then and then um, uh, yeah, but it's it's a you need to, you need to have a massive 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 kind of bag of capital to make that work. So it was a really great lesson to 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 um, to do that as a company, and uh, it it. It, it it survived, uh, but um, yeah, it never really became big after that. But yeah, but obviously, video on demand streaming is like huge, and you saw that it was going to be a thing, and you, you 
it requires some tenacity and lots of people to try different things. And I feel like IoT is the same way. We've been working on this vision for decades now, and it's still not what it could be and I think will be. That doesn't, that doesn't mean to say it won't be, right? It's going to... No, it's, it's, a, it's a multi-stakeholder kind of complex environment uh, where you have the kind of the, the creators of the content and you have the distributors and... Uh, and and I, I probably like one of the reasons that Netflix is successful is because they simplified that by making their own content. It's not only, it, it didn't only create a more kind of, for Netflix, a more kind of, like more ownership of that intellectual property and the, and, and the content, but it also created like a way less complex of a thing. So, you, I mean, in, you have this kind of MIPCON and MIPTV, these kind of two yearly events in, in Cannes every year and then. It's very old school that people come there and then they start trading licenses and it just feels like you're you're in a kind of like well, every time we were there like it just feels like you're in a a different world and so complex and it's so not available and um they were complaining about things like popcorn time and touring and then we always told them it's like you you're you're the cause of this because you you spend the last two decades making this completely inaccessible um uh, so yeah it's it, it 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 and similar to iot's making iot business cases work needs needs a simple stakeholder kind of structure yeah and i think that template that shows this is possible that everyone can react to and compete with is part of it it's like what tesla are doing with the cars it's like electric cars been around for a long time but tesla's share price just completely galvanize the marketplace. And uh, um, so I, I guess we all want to be that IoT company that uh, that does that. Because I don't think there's been, there isn't a Netflix of IoT, uh, there isn't a Tesla of IoT yet. Yeah, I think the question, I will say, like, there's never going to be a, a true IoT unicorn in that sense. Uh, I, probably now there are one or two or something, but I... I, I think that uh, it, it's so incredibly fragmented that um, and and the market is so huge that that in the end you will have kind of niche players that will be very successful in their niche, but 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 probably not as an IoT company. Yeah, we'll talk about this elsewhere in the podcast. I've kind of derailed you a little bit, but uh, but yeah, please. Do, do continue, because we haven't even got to the point where you've uh, founded uh, your company. Uh, I, I met up with um, my business partner, uh, Johan, um, and we came up with this idea um, around a new standard we saw that was uh, um, uh, called LoRaWAN. And um, we thought, hey, you can make an internet for the Internet of Things. We saw that operators were doing it in unlicensed spectrum, and we thought, hey, that's odd because that doesn't give them any kind of competitive advantage. Uh, so, yeah, probably that's, that's, I mean, that's probably not the way to do it. Um, and that's not, I worked at a telco, and, and a telco is, is very good uh, to be a bit pipe on licensed mm -hmm. or very kind of capital intensive infrastructure. And I monetize that and always meet a 25% EBITDA, basically that summarizes a telco. Uh, and that is what its function is. Uh, and, and doing something innovative doesn't kind of contribute to kind of that objective. So 
And we thought, hey, this is very interesting. So we thought, Let, let's build, um, uh, let's start building solutions. And then we found out that that how incredibly hard it is to build solutions. And from the cloud uh, environment, we were educated about open source and developer uh, kind of events and developer content. So we started to build a developer ecosystem for LoRaWAN called the Things Network, uh, and put a business decides to it, uh, which is called the Things Industries. And that basically in the last seven years grew out to uh, an open source business model. What was the, you know, what was the key thing that took you from, you know, working for someone else to running your own show? What uh, was that? Was there a person or uh, inspiration? How did that? Yeah. So, so that was, that was before uh, I started my first company and, um, um, yeah, I think for, it's very personal. I think for everybody it's, it's different. Uh, I think there were two, two, two phases. One is we pitched the idea of the video on demand company internally, uh, within the kind of telco we worked at. And, um, yeah, they just said like, this is, sounds like a fun idea, but yeah, how are you going to make money? How are they going to, how are you going to make EBITDA 25% contributions from the day one? And we thought, yeah, okay, this, this doesn't make sense, right? To, to do it here. So we just started to build a POC and build an, a product and a next door jobs and then start to become kind of a bootstrapped kind of app that worked, that people loved. And, uh, then we just quit our job and then, um, with, the, with, uh, a healthy amount of ignorance and, um, and, and bullishness. Uh, and then I think that, that was really good, good first lessons to get out of the corporate environment and first kind of having the corporate experience is really, uh, a kind of that's, that's, you have to unlearn a lot. And, and after a while, the corporate experience becomes, becomes a massive asset because it, it, it is not, not, uh, having worked at, 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 at such a structured kind of corporate environment also makes you understand how these organizations work when you start selling to them. So, and then when that company uh, stopped and then you decide, okay, are you going to do an venture again, or are you going to go back to a corporate life? And then I thought, yeah, I'm never going to like do a corporate job again. Uh, and then, um, and I had all this experience of building a platform and doing a business in that kind of field. So yeah, I thought that's, that's, uh, let's do something exciting again. So, um, yeah. And are there any like books or, or ideas that were like centrally motivating for you? Are there texts that you go back and reference, uh, when you're talking to people about how they should be running uh, helping to run your company. Yeah. So I think the, 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 the book, um, a hard thing about hard things by, uh, Ben Horowitz, uh, they took a bit, a bit of a crazy turn with their crypto investments kind of lately and recent Horowitz. So, uh, um, but that book, um, is, uh, I really like it because it, it just only tells stories. Um, but it doesn't really to say kind of like you, like these kind of heuristics or your kind of average Silicon Valley blog and like how to be mm -hmm. successful. It's just like, these are all the hard things they experienced, um, with, 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 uh, just the way you just can kind of see the pain and, and, um, and I think that would, I think that's really good book. I think it's, it's still kind of, kind of still 
quite a popular book, uh, Hard Thing About Hard Things. So, um, as you know, we always ask people about their favorite songs um, that have super meaning for them. And I think when I asked you about this, you said, ah, actually, it's wallpaper to me, yeah. uh, which I love. Uh, there's only one other guest who's uh, had that. And for him, we talked about the paintings that he liked. And, okay. Uh, uh, but uh, but uh, maybe, uh, so are there like three... Uh, well, how, how do you, in, is it like movies or what uh, What takes the no, place of uh, I, I think, music? I think here? that's in about more kind of books, books about business uh, because I yeah. I think it's just, um, so I, I mean, this is hard thing about hard things. I think that that's that's one that, that I, I really love the delivering happiness about uh, Zappos, how that was created. Uh, also about that it, it just is kind of, it's it's about the people and the driving force of a company. It's about the team, and and we have a very strong kind of uh, uh, people product business culture. So we take care right. of good of the people. We get an awesome product, and an awesome product brings in business. And it's always that way. And maybe during the last like kind of twenty twenty one hype, people thought that uh, that money could be a driving force. Yeah, that didn't really deliver a lot, and, um, and uh, in, at least in the technology sector and the kind of VC sector. Uh, and um, so, so I really like that book about um, yeah all the hidden gems in that book by giving a bonus if you quit your job. I, I think that's just kind of that kind of things. Where I like where they where they had that 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 they make people yeah. think about why I'm here. Um, awesome. Yeah. Very good. Well, thanks so much. It's been uh, great having you on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So that was uh, our Laura Wan uh, excursion, uh, one of the first that we've had. And I hope you learned a bit about this technology. Um, I see it as you know the internet of valuable things or expensive things uh, it's scaling which is very encouraging um and i think there's going to be a lot more to to come in uh, in this area so i'm sure we'll come back to it and i hope you'll come back to us um uh, it's great to do these shows but they're only viable if you watch them and share information about them with your friends and colleagues so please do that and come back next time. We look forward to it. Bye-bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.